Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jonathan All. Today we go behind the headlines on the latest dialogue concerning the St. Louis criminal justice system. On Tuesday, a federal judge ruled that the city's jails cannot hold inmates for long periods of time simply because they can't make bail. That decision came one day before a Wednesday press conference at City Hall, where Ben Cohen, co-founder of ice cream giant Ben & Jerry's, joined members of the Close the Workhouse campaign to publicly urge city officials to shut down the medium security institution known as the Workhouse. I spoke earlier this week with Ben Cohen, as well as Inez Bordeaux, who spent about a month incarcerated in the Workhouse in 2016. I started by asking Inez what led her to become involved in trying to enact change. Well, um, what has brought me to this point is in March of 2016, I was arrested on a probation violation and I was sent to the workhouse. Um, And I've never seen anything like it in my life. Um, I've been in jails. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for 12 years. I've worked in jails. Um, I know what a jail facility should look like. I know what humane conditions should look like. And the workhouse is not that. Um, After my time in the workhouse, I would almost go as far as saying it radicalized me to a point. Um, I could not believe that in 2016 we were keeping our friends, our neighbors, the people who bag our groceries at Schnucks, our bank tellers, our teachers, our nurses, our CNAs. We were keeping people in a facility that is inhumane. What's going on at the workhouse, the conditions in the workhouse, is a humanitarian crisis. Um, I'm talking about the things that I saw, the things that I experienced for the 30 days that I was there. The facility is infested with rats. It's not mice, rats. Um, It's infested with roaches. There's black mold that grows on the walls. We all remember from 2017 that there's no air conditioning in the workhouse. Um, There's very little heat in the workhouse. People that are being held there are not receiving adequate basic medical care. There's no mental health services. It's just the place is deplorable. Um, So when our partners, Arch City Defenders, The Bail Project, Action STL came together and decided that they were going to start a campaign to close the workhouse, they called me and they asked me, did I want to be a part of the campaign in 2017? And I said, absolutely. Um, And I've been working tirelessly with our campaign team to try to close the workhouse ever since. Now, Ben, you've used your uh, your ice cream fame to take on a number of social causes and, and, and get in, involved in a lot of things. Why this one? Uh, our company, I think two or three years ago, uh, started kind of a, a deep dive into issues of uh, racial injustice. And uh, we've done a lot of work on it internally uh, with, with employees at our company. And when our employees discovered uh, the extent of this so-called justice system that uh, is uh, acting in a, you know, an incredibly unfair way. I mean, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old white guy and I've got some money. I mean, what's happening to poorer people of color would never happen to me. And it's just because of the color of my skin and because I'm not poor. And that's not justice. That's not fair. 
That's not equality. Uh, that is oppressing people because of the color of their skin and because, you know, they don't have enough money to hire a fancy lawyer or, in this case, the workhouse, just to put up bail. I mean, which is, you know, I mean, the system of cash bail just drives me crazy <laughs> that it's they set bail numbers without regard to a person's income. Uh, so, you know, for, you know, for me, you know, they give me $25,000 bail, I can pay it. I mean, somebody who's only making $10,000, $15,000 a year, they can't make it. And uh, they end up in jail. And, you know, being, being guilty before having a chance to go to a trial. I mean, they, you're essentially punishing these people before they can ever get their trial. I mean, the right to a speedy trial. I was so overjoyed to hear yesterday that uh, a federal judge finally said, you know, cash bail is uh, un-American, it's illegal, and that, uh, you know, putting people in jail for what? 200, 250, 290 days uh, before they can get a trial. I mean, that's not what it says in the Constitution, the right to a speedy trial, the right to be presumed innocent. Um, the average length of stay for people in the workhouse is 291 days. 90% um, of the people that are in the workhouse right now are being held there on pretrial detention. Like Ben was saying, that means they haven't been convicted of a crime. They've merely been accused of a crime. And then they're being locked up in a place under the most inhumane conditions the average bail in St. Louis is about $25,000. The average income in St. Louis is about $25,000. So cash bail practices disproportionately affect black people and poor people. If you only make $25,000 a year, how can you possibly pay a $25,000 bail to get out of jail? Um, cash bail is what allows the workhouse in St. Louis to exist. And again, we're talking about people who haven't been convicted of anything. So what, what well, just to 90% to, to of the people who are there at the workhouse are there um, not yet convicted, but are on pretrial, correct? Mm -hmm. And then the, the somewhere in the mid 80% is the percentage of people who are African American. Correct. Compared to about 50% of the population. Correct. For St. Louis is 49% black, yet we make up about between 86 and 90% of the people that are in the workhouse. If that isn't systemic racism, I don't know what is. And that's what the monu the that's what the workhouse is, uh, a monument to white supremacy and racism right here in the city. What is the solution then? Is it release on recognizance, lowering the bonds? Um, the Constitution says that people have a right to fight their cases from home with the least restrictive means possible. And these people, like I said, low-level crimes, 
um, low-level crimes, they should be free to fight their cases from home. We should end cash bail in the city. And thanks to the ruling of that federal judge yesterday, we're gonna we're closer now than ever to making sure that that happens. So when you say close the workhouse, really just ending cash bail would get to the same Absolutely. result? Absolutely. Um, because of 90% of the people in the workhouse are being held on pretrial detention, they're literally only there because they're too poor to be able to afford their their bail. So if we end cash bail, that basically would set all of those people free to fight their cases from home. And we know study after study after study says that if people are free to fight their cases from home, they have much better outcomes in their cases because you cannot fully participate in your legal defense if you're locked up in jail. You don't have access to resources. You don't have access to witnesses. You don't have access to your lawyer as much as you should. And literally the only thing that's keeping them there is they're poor. Like Ben said, if you were a white guy that had $25,000, you would be free to fight your case from home. Why are we criminalizing poverty in St. Louis? Let's let's just say for for the sake of argument here that that the vast majority of people who are uh, who have to put up cash bail are innocent of their crime or if they are guilty of the crime, it's a minor enough of a crime that keeping them locked up, especially in inhumane circumstances, just isn't accurate. But it seems it seems like every once in a while we hear about someone who is out on bail who committed a very, very heinous crime. And in our modern society that resonates with people and they hear someone had been in trouble with the pet in the past and then they do something that's really horrible and then they get very angry about it. Even if that's the exception to the rule, maybe there's one person who does that and there's thousands of people who are unjustly um, uh, incarcerated. How do you balance that? How do you how do you? Uh, quell that that concern of the public when on those one-off cases for the, the the what you're advocating for the majority of the people, if that makes sense. It sounds like what you're asking me is if we have a thousand people locked up in the workhouse that have simply been accused of a crime and they can't get out because their bail is too high and they're too poor to afford it, and if one of those thousand people gets out on bail and commits a crime, the other 999 people have to continue to be locked up in order to make our community safe. And I say that in air quotes. Yeah. I'm not um, advocating that. I'm just oh, saying that, I completely that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, if you watch the TV news at night, they will, pro, they will have the, the family of a victim of a crime that was perpetrated by somebody who was out on bail. And that resonates with people much more so than there are a thousand people who are unjustly locked up. I th- uh, and that's unfortunate. Um, we feel deeply, and I completely understand how the community would feel about that one person being locked up um, or getting out of jail on bail and committing another crime. Um, to that, I say that we have to use the resources available in the community or there should be resources available in the community and every case needs to be evaluated on its merits. So if someone is a dangerous criminal um, or the city or the circuit attorney's office feels that someone um, may get out and commit a crime, like all of that has to be evaluated and it has to be done by a judge and that's just not what is happening right now. It, he, every case should be determined on its merit individually instead of punishing 999 people. That one person, their case should be evaluated 
by a judge at a bail hearing to determine whether or not they're a danger to communities. Um, and we're just not seeing that right now. Right now, what we see is that no, over 90% of the people that are bonded out of jail return to court um, for their court dates. They don't commit any further crimes. Majority of people want to see their case to a resolution so they could go back to their lives. Um, so again, we have to evaluate each and every case on a case-by-case basis, which, isn't, which hasn't been happening up until this point. Ben, in your experience on working on social issues and specifically ones that have to do with race and poverty, what do you think is the biggest uh, hurdle to get people to take these issues more seriously and to do something about it? I think the biggest hurdle is uh, to be able for, uh, you know, uh, a white guy like myself, a, a regular, you know, regular middle middle class white guy to be able to imagine themselves in the situation of being poor not being able to make bail ending up in a in a situation like being in the workhouse for 200 plus days before you've even gone to trial. I mean, you know, think about what that does with your family. Think about what that does with your job. Uh, Being in the workhouse ruins people. The person that I was when I went into the workhouse in March of 2016 and the person I was when I came out in April of 2016 are completely different people. Um, The workhouse, even while I was going through my battle with the state with being on probation, um, I overdrew unemployment benefits after going through a domestic violence incident and leaving my husband at the time. I could not afford my child care bill, which was $1,600 a month, so I overdrew my unemployment benefits to pay for that. I went through a lot in that fight between my nursing license being suspended, being homeless, having to send my children away, all of those things that I lived with and I dealt with, but I never once gave up hope. All through those years, the six years that I was on probation, I never felt hopeless. I always knew that I was gonna come out on the other side. It wasn't until I went into the workhouse that I ever felt hopeless. That's what the workhouse does to you. That's what the conditions, living in those conditions, being subjected to those conditions, understanding when you walk past roaches or rats running through the pod, when you watch women pick roaches out of their food because the food conditions are so terrible, it it changes you fundamentally. And that's just what I was dealing with and what other people dealing with on the inside. What happens when you come out? I was only there for 30 days. I was able to bounce back. What happens to the people who are in there for an average of 291 days? What happens to their job? What happens to their family? What happens to their place in the community? What happens to their housing situation? So when we lock people up, in those type of conditions, plus we take away all 
remove the tethers that they have to their community and their lives, you're devastating people's lives, you're devastating their families, you're devastating their communities. One of the reasons why we were so excited um, to partner with Ben and Jerry's is because Ben and Jerry's allows us to have conversations with people that we haven't been able to have before. Because if you're black in this city, you either have been to the workhouse or you know someone who's been to the workhouse. It is such a common theme throughout the black community in St. Louis that most people, it 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 doesn't even the thought of someone being in the workhouse or your loved one being in the workhouse has been so normalized. I spoke to 20 different white people in the city yesterday at the Fish concert who had never even heard of the workhouse. Ben and Jerry's allows us to get them to a point to where they're open and they're willing to listen to what we have to say. The fact that so many black people have been affected by over-policing, over-criminalization of black people, criminalization of poverty in the city and have been to that facility and so many white people right here in this city in our same communities have never even heard of it is a problem. That is a problem for St. Louis. And Ben and Jerry's gives us an opportunity to talk to those people. That was St. Louisan Inez Bordeaux, along with Ben Cohen, co-founder of Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream. They're both supporting the Close the Workhouse campaign, which has been putting public pressure on city officials to shut down the medium security institution. I also spoke with Jimmy Edwards, St. Louis Public Safety Director, to get his perspective on the conditions at the workhouse and the ongoing dialogue about the cash bail system. During our conversation this week, I asked him about the current state of the medium security institution, which he visited near the beginning of his tenure as Public Safety Director in late 2017. When I visited the facility, uh, uh, when I, I checked on the detainees, when I looked at the infrastructure, those are the things that I can tell you uh, that, are, that, the, that are kept in a humane way. The facility is clean, no infestation, no mold. And so it is not inhumane. Is it old? Yes, it is old. Will I look at perhaps building a new facility, I would love to have a new facility. I would like to have a facility in downtown St. Louis. It would help uh, with transportation, the movement uh, uh, of the detainees. It, I mean, there, there are a number of reasons why it would, it would make sense. But we do that uh, in a very prudent, intentional, and calculated way. Because if we close the facility, if we take a giant step like some would have us to take. If we take a giant step, close that facility, all of those things that have been helping and assisting with the reduction of the jail population are just simply not sustainable. Let's go to the, do you think there is a problem with the way that cash bail is used in the judicial process in St. Louis? Um, I think that cash bail uh, has been used uh, in a way that it has, discriminated against uh, poor people. Uh, The fact that you're in jail on a low-level misdemeanor and you have a cash bond and you cannot make that bond, uh, but the person who is your co-defendant can make the bond. He gets out of jail and you have to remain in jail. Well, that's, that's, that's wrong. It's morally wrong. It has been lawfully right for a long time. 
but it is morally wrong. So with respect to certain types of offenses, I believe that cash bail uh, should be eliminated. But with other offenses, there may be a need for cash bail. But I think that the Missouri Supreme Court rule, which will take effect on July 1st, uh, is going to create many, many problems. The unintended consequence of those of the Supreme Court getting involved to eliminate cash bill through a rule may cause our jail population to spike upward. How so? Because it's a cash bail system. If we eliminate a cash bail, and if the jail set a, if the judges set a no bail, there is no recourse with respect to the judges setting a no bail. So, for example, if an individual would ordinarily receive a $5,000 bond, 10% on a stolen car, and this person is a repeat offender, this person is a recidivist, so the bond is set at 5000 because every time this person gets out of jail, this person inflicts harm on the community. And so if we can no longer do cash bail in order to try to, to, to improve the safety of the community or so that the community is not subject to, to this individual constantly stealing cars and, and inflicting harm. And so as a judge now, I look at this person, I make a decision about this person, and I determine that this person is harmful to the community or a threat to the community, as is a part of the rule, then I just simply set a no bond. If I set a no bond, a no bond is not reviewable as I understand in the rule. But, I mean, doesn't there, um, (laughs) doesn't there, I mean, the, 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 between the new rule from the Supreme Court and what it appears the federal ruling from Tuesday would suggest, it doesn't eliminate cash bond. It just makes the review process a little more thorough so that someone who is like your person, your hypothetical person you talk about who's stolen 15 cars over the last whatever, um, is adjudicated in terms of bond a different way than someone who, say, has a probation violation related to overdrawing unemployment benefits, that those people would be um, reviewed much differently so that maybe the nonviolent offender who's just on a probation thing and it's their first uh, offense would have a recognizance bond, but someone who is a repeat offender would have would still have to put up some cash, but maybe also reflect on their income and what is practical for them to do. Well, I'm not sure that, that that's the intent. I think the intent is to eliminate cash bond and cash bail. And so I think that's the that's the real intent. However, you're right with respect to the ability to still post a cash bail, but there must be a finding of fact on the record that judges have to make with respect to why they're setting the bond uh, um, at the at the level that they're setting the bond, notwithstanding a person's ability to pay or not pay. Well, I mean, that, that seems to be reasonable, though. I mean, if, if you're talking about a finding of fact, um, 
going into setting bond levels is the, doesn't that that seems to make sense? Well, I think what the what what Judge Fleischer has done, she's read the Supreme Court proposed rule, and she's basically adopted that rule, and I don't think we we have any quarrels with that. I actually support the rule. We don't have any quarrels with that, but I still believe that it could negatively impact jail population because if the judges start making findings wherein there would have been pre-rule an opportunity to make a bond, if I now make a finding that there is no opportunity to make a bond, that increases the population in our local jails. So what you're saying is that judges will err on the side of not giving any opportunity for bond over saying no bond. If if they can't use that interim step, that they're going to err on the side of just denying bail to people. Well, I'm not suggesting that they would do that. But (laughs) But certainly the possibility, that that, that avenue is there. I'm not suggesting that they would do that, but but that's one of those, those, I believe, unintended consequences. That's one of those things that, that certainly has not been buttoned up in terms of this, this whole new rule. Overall, looking at the new rule and the federal issue that, that came out earlier this week, what do you believe, and you've mentioned possible increase in, in jail population, but what impact do you think that will have on public safety in the city of St. Louis if there are new rules on bonding going on? Well, I think that... Uh there will not be a mass exodus of detainees out of our facilities. I believe the judges will will do their jobs and they will hold the hearings and they will hold the hearings timely. I think that uh, one can infer uh, that uh, if there is no cash bail and uh, you make a determination uh, about safety based upon someone's social economic classification, uh, then there could be an increase in, in uh, uh, bad public safety. I don't think that that will happen. I, I think that the judges uh, will, will get in, hold the bond hearings, make determinations with respect uh, to the detainees. The ones that should be locked up, they will make the appropriate findings of fact. The ones that should not be locked up, then they will release them. That was St. Louis Public Safety Director Jimmy Edwards offering his perspective on the city's medium security institution, also known as the Workhouse, and related issues concerning the criminal justice system. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.